Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am joined by Kurt Flights, the co-founder and president of PSD Underwear. Thanks so much for coming to the show, Kurt. Yeah, I appreciate it, Casey. Looking forward to it. Of course. I mean, I would say just to jump into it, man, I, over the years, have seen PSD everywhere. Um, I know our good friend Danny that helps set this pot up sent me out an awesome care package, and I'm, I'm rocking it literally all the time now. But... You know, having this conversation with you today, you guys have been a brand for, for quite some time now, and I'd love to dive into the origin story of PSD. But for before we di- get into that, I'd love for you to just give a high-level overview for people that may not know, what is PSD underwear? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's actually it's fun to kind of dig into these stories because we haven't come up for air in a long time. You know, have we we have been building this brand, you know, for for a while now. But, um, yeah, I mean, listen, we're we're... You know, I saw, you know, category killer, you know, we, we, you know, we have a, you know, men's, women's youth underwear brand. We've been very disruptive uh, to the space. And, and I always say we live in, in between, uh, you know, Calvin Klein and let's say jockey, you know, we're right there in the middle. And, and uh, you know, we, because we've grown up with our consumer, uh, we know it the best. And, and it's kind of one of those, uh, you know, brands where there really isn't that second choice. You know, nobody picks up uh, Haynes and then PSD and says, man, I don't know which one I'm going to buy. You know, it's kind of us or us or nothing at this point. So uh, yeah, men's, women's, you know, uh, youth underwear. I love that, man. And going back, I, I remember uh, you said you guys started in 2007. This show, you know, I love diving into the entrepreneurial journey and just knowing that how you guys have built this brand over time, like it's it's been quite some time. And you guys have, as you said, become an industry killer, but you know, it didn't start that way. What led to you and your brother starting PSD? What were you guys doing before? And just what led to that moment of taking the leap of faith and starting the business? Yeah, it's, it's actually, it has been, you know, it's been a while, but uh, you know, I kind of, I give credit, you know, with 2007, eight, nine, you know, when the economy's crashing, it kind of, uh, you know, kind of stops times a little bit. So we, I always say we got some free years because, uh, you know, the world was moving really slow. So and we were going fast, but the, you know, so we got to catch up, you know, with some, some free ed- education, you know, with the economy crashing, but, you know, we're actually, we're, we were fresh out of college. So my brother, uh, I was fresh out of college, just went to school for, for business and marketing. Um, and my brother was a great, you know, graphic designer, always, you know, uh, artist, uh, you know, naturally gifted, but just, uh, was a dreamer and, and kind of, uh, you know, always, always wanted to do something special, but didn't know it. And, and he was influenced. He was two years older than me. He was influenced by, you know, the pop culture, Tupac, Biggie, you know, Timberland, Triple Five Soul, FUBU era. And then me being two years younger, I was actually on a completely different, you know, playing field. I was like <laughs> part of the action sports boom where it was like X Games, Travis Pastrana, you know, all all yeah, that world. Yeah. And so it was funny. And, and we were just kind of wired differently. You know, you just can't believe that, um, you know, only being two years apart, how different you, you are as, as siblings. But, um, you know, he wanted to start, you know, in a, pair, a clothing line, actually. He always wanted to do a brand. And. He was like spray paint t-shirts in the garage. And, and I was, you know, kind of coming out of college, just, just hustling. And, and, um, and he came up with the, the concept and the idea and, and, um, you know, it was just one of those things where he wanted to go out and, you know, when we're, we're originally from upstate New York. So, uh, you know, not the fashion capital of the world. And <laughs> at that time, um, you know, it was, we were just so naive to the industry that we thought we could make it, you know, from our garage in upstate New York, not knowing what it was going to take. And, and so we kind of, you know, blindly jumped into it to where it was like, uh, you know, he wanted to do it. He printed up some shirts and, and got some logos and did some designs that were really good. And I had some savings and, and I was kind of influenced by these big events. And I thought, man, if we're going to do this, uh, he asked me kind of, if I wanted to get involved and, and I always, you know, loved marketing and, and, uh, you know, sales and just kind of, you know, just building, I was always a kind of a natural entrepreneur, you know, okay. businesses and detail shop, whatever it was, you know, buying motorcycles in the winter and selling them in the summer, you know, in New York. And, and so, um, you know, it really came to where I was like, I was like, man, if we're going to do this, we got to buy a, you know, a, a bus or an RV or something to put our logo on, start going to events. And so, so yeah, so the original plan was just, you know, we just felt like we were going to the moon somewhere and somehow we just didn't know what we were going to do. And, and it sort of, it actually started out as a, as apparel. It was just a brand, whatever we could print our, our designs on was what it originally wow. started. Yeah. Wow. So, so it started as a clothing brand. And then, you know, when did it just become underwear? When did you guys have that realization? Because I mean, Underwear as a, you know, as a, as a business, what led to that? What was the market back then? And where did you see the opportunity in the space? Yeah. I mean, I think if you talk to, I mean, you talk to successful entrepreneurs <laughs> all the time. I mean, where you start and where you end is, is usually not the plan. And, and, um, totally. it, neither one of us thought we'd be, you know, in, in men's and women's underwear, you know, at the end of the journey or during yeah. the journey. But, um, you know, I think the, the saying of, you know, adapt or die and, and you kind of are, you know, you know, you're always learning along the way. But so we, 
So we did do that. So we bought an RV, put a logo on it. And, and our business plan was simply like, uh, you know, we're going to work harder than everybody every single day. And as long as we're busy every day and we're moving those chains down the field. And we come from a hard knocks family where my dad was a football coach. He raised us like a football coach where it was just, you better hope that your, 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 uh, you know, competitors taking a day off so that you don't and, and you're getting ahead of them. And so we, we kind of took that naive to the industry, but hard nosed work ethic and, and really put it into that bus of the tour. And so as we were, you know, the economy was crashing. So there was no real new brands popping up and big brands were not spending the money. You know, Facebook had just started. So social media, you couldn't pay on, you had to be kind of cool and have a, you know, college ID to be on, on Facebook. We started going to college campuses and Buffalo Bills tailgate parties with the Bills Mafia original days, breaking, you know, tables and whatnot. And, and, uh, you know, traveling all over Vans warp tour. And just basically we were just in that bus, uh, traveling all over. We thought if we, as long if we saw 15 people, it would, you know, in one day that was better than zero. So we, we just yep. had a really old school snowball uh, approach, but what was happening is, is it was really snowballing and, you know, Facebook added a tag feature. And so all of a sudden we're at one ca college campus, somebody tags us and their cousin sees us at another college. We go, they invite us and we really were kind of the cool guys in a bus with cool designs, building the brand when nobody was doing it. And, and um, it was before, again, that, that true, kind of direct to consumer model was talked about and, and how to advertise on social media. So we were growing up with our consumer. And, um, and so what, what happened while we were going, I'd say two, three years into the business. Now we buy a bigger bus. We start going to the West coast <laughs> and we're going to bigger yep. events. And now we're being invited to events and rather than just poaching them and pulling up in front and, you know, slinging, uh, you know, product. And, um, you know, we saw this opportunity where, where a couple of things were happening in the industry. Uh, we saw some brands kind of pop up as it, you know, almost this category killer movement was beginning. So beats by Dre and skull candy were doing headphones and all of a sudden they were, they yeah. were the face of the brand, you know, from that category. And, and it wasn't a new category. They were just putting a face to it. Um, you know, yep. Herschel was doing it with book bags. Um, you know, all of a sudden it was a stance was just rumbling about socks and, and yep. F was doing beanies. And all of a sudden this category killer movement was happening. And, you know, we saw where kids were wearing, Black Under Armour, which that's all they offered at that time, was compression to class instead of underwear. And, and we thought, man, if we could, if we could make a more comfortable, functionable, cool designs, uh, you know, pair of underwear. You know, this is this is something we could really own and 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 claim. And that's where the industry was going. People didn't want to have to tell brands anymore, and they liked this disruptive yep. to the category. And so uh, we started doing adding underwear into the line, and people really resonated, really passionate about it. And then um, we had this guy, Stevie Johnson, was on the Buffalo Bills, wide receiver, super stylish. He was originally from Oakland. Uh, his, his, his family was into music and whatnot. And anyways, he uh, he wore it during a game, caught a touchdown <laughs> against the Patriots, and pulled his shirt up and showed the waistband. And You're it kind of was like it was like the original viral oh my God. before viral. It was that like, is yeah, crazy. That. So yeah, it was pretty cool. And so that kind of put us on the map of like the underwear brand. And and so from there we. We started to pivot and, and put our focus in that. And then um, we had an opportunity with, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving. And he wanted to, you know, he, while we were on the road, we were meeting all these cool athletes and celebrities that weren't really celebrities yet, high school and college, that are now number one draft picks and legends. And, um, and you know, Kyrie wanted to do, uh, so we took it back to Nike, wanted to do a deal with PSD. And they said no. And I gave him an angle. And I'm like, well, why'd they let Jordan do Haynes? And he's like, man, let me tell that. So he went back and, and, and he was like, why'd you let Jordan do Haynes and you won't let me do PSD? And so they actually came off their mark and, and let us do it. And once we loopholed a Nike contract, you know, we were able to bulldoze all athlete contracts. We kind of became that white space in head to toe deals for athletes and celebrities. And so that was kind wow. of phase one of, of why we ended up getting. That's an crazy. Yeah. So. When you say, because I mean, you guys have worked with so many different celebrities and entertainers and now like creators and influencers back in the time when, you know, you're doing that deal with Kyrie, sorry, you said Kyrie, right? Kyrie Irving, yep. Yeah, Kyrie. So when you're doing that, like what was the mindset going into a deal like that, right? Like nowadays, 2022 influencer deals, sponsorships, endorsements, like things are so different today with, and, and we'll get into that in terms of how you guys, you know, the playbook today, but back sure. then. Like what was, you know, the structure? How were you thinking about it? Was it celebrity first? Were you even thinking about creators? When did that transition uh, happen for you with, with social from going to, you know, athletes and then these, you know, A-list level celebrities to then yeah. creators? I think to modernize, you know, this conversation and to, to really draw the line between, 
you know, the, the A-list celebrity endorsements to the creators today that you guys worked with. I'd love to just hear some of the parallels that you've seen and, you know, really what the angle was back then versus today. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, it's funny. I get this question a lot about like, man, how do you get all these athletes? You got everybody and, and all the best come to you and, and whatnot. And I'll tell you, you know, the one thing that we, we've always said about our brand is like, people have always liked our stuff. So we didn't really have to set, you know, when it was about the designs and our movement, yep. they always liked it. And so when, when, when you start looking at athletes or celebrities or somebody that's just, let's say a higher level than you, you know, from a branding standpoint or whatever they are, um, you know, you gotta have something to offer. And I think one of the things that we've done, you know, right in that first phase of, the, of building the brand is, you know, we created value of, of, they just liked it. So they say they liked it. Yeah. So you kind of, if you don't have the money to buy or to pay them, uh, and you don't have any value other than they're emotionally connected to your designs, that's really the, the floor. So if you have them emotionally connected to the designs and, and your movement and your brand, that's phase one. Now there's a lot of phases of, of you got to get through, uh, you know, family members and agents and, and lawyers and financial advisors. I mean, so there's a, there's a lot of education along the way. So we didn't go zero to, to Kyrie. I mean, I actually, I always, I, I appreciate this now and, and I'm actually friends with, with Stevie Johnson's agent, but he kicked our ass. To, I mean, my first deal ever, I got, raked over the coals. I mean, he did a great <laughs> job at taking advantage of a young brand uh, and really, not really having to do, you know, keeping his, his talent, per, you know, protected, which is their job. But I, I would say yep. like, you know, I always, I always bring this up, like you got to appreciate the journey and the education and what you're learning. And, and I always say like, every time we got our ass kicked on something, we would look at it and go, man, next time. And we would instantly go back into next time. Now we know, or there's an angle or there's some language and, and, having that kind of good old boy, you know, upstate New York, you know, handshake still meant something. When you're that naive, you have to get your ass kicked along the way because then you start to figure out like, man, I can't just rely on the handshake or people's words. You got to, you got to protect yourself a little bit, but you always have to be, um, I always say you always have to be cool with the talent because if they don't care about you, it really will never work anyways. If you're taking the contract out of the, out of the desk drawer, it's over before it even started anyways. So there's, there's not much you can yep. do, but I'll tell you, you know, so we, we really started cutting our teeth with, you know, what level were we on? So each phase of the brand. So we started with like bands on the Vans Warped Tour. So it was like Mayday Parade. And back in like the you know, yeah. the kind of <laughs> punk music era, we were we started cutting our teeth with like little bands before they made it big or or college athletes or high school athletes. So we didn't go zero to Kyrie Irving. We had to we had to learn who we were and what we were doing and how to navigate what these deals look like. And also we never paid anybody. So that was the big thing that like we took a stand. Well actually we didn't have any money. So it was kind of like, once you remove money from the scenario, it makes you better. You know, you've got a better relationships, better product, yep. better distribution. You, you just got to be better if you don't lean on money. And because we didn't come from money, you know, we, we never had that, that kind of, you know, uh, you know, trump card of just, just hammer down and pay them, you know, cause they, they'll do it for the money. Yeah. And so we had, we just made sure that we were always, you know, the, the brand was always cool. They always liked us. We had a, a real organic relationship. And I think that's really what goes far that Nike Kyrie scenario if he didn't believe in us and like us as, as much as we did or our brand, him to go, I mean, he's going to make $300 million with Nike. He's going to go in and tell yeah. Nike, I want this deal, you know, like, so we really had to create yeah, value crazy. that one. But I'll tell you, by the time we got to Kyrie, it wasn't flawless, but, you know, we had deals in and out and, and we've learned, you know, we learned through some of the, the, what we need from a person because the way that the deals originally looked like, we were like, we were the guys, uh, and I, 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 uh, I laugh now thinking of myself then versus now, but I was the guy coming in going, I want 24 posts on your Instagram feed, you know, a year. I want two in-store <laughs> signings, a photo shoot. I want, you know, you to connect me with all your athletes you train with and all this stuff, knowing that it's just, it's almost comical now where now we look at it and we're like, we just, we, we're here. the plan is to get X and Y and move the product for the collection. So I only need you know, you to announce on the launch and be there for the in-store if you want to. And, and we became um, almost like the brand that needs very little from the talent. And, and what was with a lot of upside because it was cool. We were able to do a lot of things for them. And so, so I say the deals yeah. definitely, uh, you know, kind of organically changed through education as we, as we navigated through and, and even, even beyond. So from Kyrie to John Morant, all the way to Bronny James, who LeBron actually did the deal yep. for him. You know, I'm going up against a guy that's seen a lot of deals and a lot of multiple <laughs> millions of dollars. And, and, we, and it was amazing deals. Actually, one of the, I say the easiest ones to do because we've seen a lot of it. We've had a lot of case studies and, and whatnot. But I'll tell you, if, if somebody's like brand new and they're just like, how do I get to athletes or how do I get to influencers? I mean, there's, there's, you got to start at the bottom really and work your, your way up. You, you never go from zero to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of prove your way, just like with, 
podcast and who you get or retailers, you, you always have to prove your way. And, and I always remind, uh, I would say the young entrepreneur that nobody owes you anything, you know, so, so you have to kind of <laughs> earn that respect. And then, and then as you prove value, uh, you know, whether it's psychological, or they're just excited for the brand or money, which is now people make a lot of money off of, you know, with us, um, you yep. know, with the, with the true partnership. So, uh, yep. but it's definitely changed no, from Kyrie awesome. to, to, like I said, Brian. Yeah. No, I mean, that's so cool to hear just like the evolution of that. And, you know, from that process, like when was it when you and your brother really felt like you were getting your footing, you know, from a sales perspective, like really crushing the direct to consumer for e-commerce, you know, you guys started in 2007, right? Like when you think about launching a brand today, there's a roadmap, there's a blueprint, right? Oh, you can go to Shopify, you can launch your store. It's things are very carved out. You guys started at a time where, you know, the economy's going through interesting times, very similar to today in a different context. Um, and you had to just hustle and it was a completely different approach than, you know, the tools that are so readily available today. When did you guys really start to feel the, the e-commerce wave and latch onto that and spend, you know, a lot of time and effort taking advantage of this new digital era with social and e-com and everything in between? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, just, just even saying 2007, you know, seems so long. It's like, man, we've been doing this for a long time. But a lot of people don't. They feel like last couple of years they've really found out about the brand. You know, so I think, you know, the, the main thing for, for us was, you know, through the, the, the education of growing a brand, you know, we, we always said uh, we don't want one thing to change our dinner plans. So we have to be strong foundation and have, you know, a, a diverse portfolio, whether it's talent, designs, distribution. And when everybody... Phase one was everybody saying, you got to get to wholesale. You got to be able to sell these retailers. That's the only way. That's the only path. And then midway through our career, everybody pivoted and said, forget all these wholesale guys. They can't pay their bills. Nobody's going to the malls anymore. Uh, go e-com. And we kind of stayed in that steady where we maintained great partnerships with wholesale or, or we had to gain them the hard way. And then we nurtured them. And then when e-com was booming, we kind of chased that. And, and we, we, we made sure we were doing enough to be dangerous, but not you know, putting all our eggs in e-com. I mean, one of the things, I mean, you look at last six months is the first time anyone's questioned that e-com might not be the future or isn't only the future. I mean, I've had a lot of brands that were stood up in the last three years that are now trying to get into brick and mortar when we had both. And so I, I think the, you know, the pivoting moment for us was when we started to really figure out, you know, what, what's the, what's the wholesaler looking for? So that was kind of you know, a business plan of itself. They want a marketing yep. plan with talent or they want to, how can you drive traffic? Can you, can you fill a box that they can't do with their current brands? So that was kind of taking care of a wholesale. And then e-com, you know, we looked at it like a completely different business plan. It's our true organic following. They're coming there because they already love us. So we, what product needs yep. to be on there? What was the price point? What experience did you have to give them? Um, and then, you know, so we kind of had two plans going at the same time with that overarching still under our brand, you know, kind of DNA. Um, you know, but I'll tell you one thing that changed my mind probably four years ago was, was a black Friday. All of a sudden we went and I go back to like what you call viral or what that big moment was. It was like the, maybe it was five years ago. All of a sudden we went gangbusters. It was a couple million dollar day online. And we're like, Whoa, like, wow. First off it broke our system. Uh, it, it, <laughs> we, we didn't have all the product. Our phones were ringing off the hook, but we, we saw that movement where we were really cool in stores. We were cool on the road. We were cool on social media. We had a lot of amazing talent and, and product going. And it was the first time that everybody kind of zoned in to go, oh, this is the brand I'm buying, no questions asked. And, and we, wow. we kind of broke the internet and set that bar of a, of a couple million dollar day. I looked at it, I'm like, man, look how much how hard I'm working for this retailer. And look what I just did in one day. And yeah. I'd like a little bit more of this. And so we pivoted, <laughs> also we staffed up a little bit. I think at that time, I had like $1,700 invested into the e-com program, like as far as the website. Okay. So, I mean, we were running, wow. we were running a pretty, pretty old school, you know, program. Uh, but it did, it did wake me up to say, okay, we need to chase this beast. We need to feed this beast. And we started to slowly put together ad spends and, and build a, you know, a team. And, and I, I build a team that is, is really, you know, it's, it's a lot about character rather than resume to where it's like, I'm in beast mode every day. I'm going to the moon. So you, you got to be with me and we got to run through all the walls together. And so we really started, you know, when we pivoted to wholesale and e-com and really identifying that you could do both in a healthy way, you know, we really started building our team to, to be kind of legendary next step, you know, team to, to take on both. So uh, I yeah. would say about five years ago 
was that pivoting moment when when uh, we could see the reaction when an athlete or an entertainer could drive traffic and convert, and then we were that brand of choice. So you know, it's been a few, yeah, you know, it's been a few years. Uh, absolutely, it's so cool to hear. Like you know, everyone there's there's always moments along the journey. I don't think there's always like the moment, but it, it, you know, being able to transition and and see things as they're evolving. I mean, you guys have done that so very well. Um, I'd like to take uh, take a step back. You know, like you as an individual, Kurt, throughout this business journey, um, like what have been some of the hardships and challenges that you've had to face as an individual when growing this business that you know have really changed your perspective on business and and what it takes? Because you know, to get to a level where you guys are, from the brand, the recognition, the celebrities, the the revenue, whatever it may be, it's it's very challenging. And I think me being twenty two and in, in this game of entrepreneurship, the last five years now, it's, I, I see it more and more and more versus my naive thought process when I was just getting started at 16. Right. So for you, like what were some of the, what have been some of the hardships that have helped you understand, um, like, wow, like we really just got to keep pushing and this is just hopefully a, a little bump in the road, but let's keep it going. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when, um, you know, we were, when we were traveling over and, and, you know, we, we started to get that through that first phase where we were actually a brand, you know, I, I started having, you know, more friends that were in the business. When we were just in the bus head down. It was all about what do we sell today? Order it. Is there enough gas in the bus to go to the next event? Like, are we eating ramen noodles, you know, kind of thing. And then yeah. and we got to a point where it was actually a business and we were, we had an office and we, we moved to LA, you know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, we, we, you, you started to think that there was this, um, I would say like this white unicorn or like something that somebody was just going to have the secret sauce to come in and either fund you uh, or fund you to the top or, or there was just this lever to pull that was like this easy lever. And those early years, you know, we were just, we always thought that there were, we were just around the corner from this easy button or this easy person that we ran into that was going to change our lives. You know, kind of like when you hear the music, you know, industry, when somebody's like, Oh, I just got discovered. I was a waitress or a waiter or whatever. And then with what we were, it was, you kind of wanted to believe that, you know, we were running around LA and Hollywood and, and Orange County, whatever, in New York. And, and I think the first, you know, the first lesson was when you, know, you start to get let down when you're like, oh, this person's going to, I need to raise money. And you go and see what it takes to raise money and how hard it is and what you need to do. And then when it doesn't go through or when you do raise money and it's, it's like the kiss of death, all of a sudden you, you have another, you know, you know, person to talk to or distribution. I mean, we went full doors, foot locker way too early our product fell off the hangers and, and we, we shit showed an entire national campaign. Now I'm better, you know? So I would say, you know, thinking that there was kind of that easy button and, and now knowing that it is, it is 100% problem solving every day. And it is, that's part of the journey. And, and you're, you got to control your own destiny. I think that's still to this day, no matter how amazing, you know, my partners are, my employees, athletes, celebrities, whatever influence, whatever we're doing licenses, it's still, you know, you, you got to control your own destiny. There's not that easy button. And, and when you think that next phase, you know, you get one more PO or one more factory or one more athlete, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's kind of, there, there is no easy button. It's just a different part of the business yeah. that you have to solve for. And so we might not be solving for what event are we going to and, and how are we plug in our bus in to how are we paying our rent to how are we pay in payroll to how do we, how do we uh, do an RA because it didn't sell because we were way too early to underwear uh, or whatever it was, you know, you're just kind of always considering to, to solve. And I think once you kind of accept that, where you're just like, yeah, you put a plan together, but just plan for it not to go to plan. And as, and as long as you're kind of waking <laughs> up with, and I always say just in beast mode of just, you're charging it every day and you're applying what you learn and what you don't know. Um, you know, I think that's, that's the key is, is just, is, uh, is, is man, learn, learn from what y'all you're, you're doing. And then, and there is no special, there's a great team. But I don't think there's no one thing that's the easy button to get to the top. If you raise $10 million today, yeah, it'll solve one part of that business. Now, now you won't have to worry about, you know, paying your light bill or, you know, or, uh, or maybe payroll for a few years or whatever it is. But it doesn't solve for sell through or it doesn't solve for people liking your brand or whatever yep. it is. And so, um, so I think that was the, the big part of just, just learning that you're in control of your own destiny and you got to be. Uh, I, I love that. And speaking of, raising money. Have you guys raised money? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably my least, what is, uh, what's been, favorite thing to do. <laughs> okay. What, what I'm curious is like, cause for my startup, uh, we raised just 
friends and family around 1.5 million. And that was only capital that we raised. And just going through that process was, you know, you see all these funding rounds and it's all relative, but you know, people raising 50 million, a hundred million for me, it's, we raised 1.5 and the, that the learning and the, the journey of that was life-changing in terms of understanding that process at 21 when we raised it. And I'd love to hear from you, like when you were going to raise money and, you know, the round of funding, how you thought of it, just, the story, the narrative, like what were some of the challenges in raising capital? And then outside of that, um, you know, raising capital in this market, in this environment, like how would you potentially do things differently if you were raising money right now? Yeah. First off, 1.5 on your first raise, that is huge. And uh, I say unheard of. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I can't, I can't even. Thank I'm you. Trying to think of, I'm trying to think of 10 people I know that raised 1.5 on their first one. And that's, that's amazing. So congrats on that. Um, my first raise uh, was... $25,000 from a guy that owned a machine shop that my dad worked with in upstate, you know, he actually was in Pennsylvania and uh, it was to fund a PO. I mean, basically like, so we had a different mentality back then, you know, was um, I did, you know, my grandpa always said, don't lean on people. Cause if you lean on people, you, you owe them something, don't borrow stuff because if you break it, you have to fix their stuff and then you don't own it, you know? And so, we, so we kind of always had this, like make the brand stand up at all times. And so we always looked at it like, the only time we would need help, a credit card, um, a line of credit against my house uh, uh, or the RV was was get make raising money last. And, and so we looked at it like make it a PO problem, like a purchase offer problem. Get a PO, look at how we can't fund it. Take that PO and go somewhere and have to get a, line, a shark loan, get a line of credit. So my journey was getting someone that just believed in my family, not even about me. It was more of a family loan of, of $25,000. And then I had to go back to him a couple months later and go, can I get another 25? Cause we're growing a little bit more, but I always put it on the brand growing and I could show them. And then one thing I did that kind of changed, you know, uh, you know, my raising is, is my second round. I looked at it and it was, it was a couple hundred grand and um, our bus was worth 80. And I was like, listen, Okay, he didn't. He was starting to waffle on. Man, I don't know. You know, my financial advisor. I have the money, but I, my financial advisor saying no, and my lawyer saying hell no. And uh, I looked at it, and said, "Listen, our bus is worth eighty. If we have fifty in inventory, my bus is eighty. I got one X, and you know what? If if we only if we sell this next order, I'll give you my bus. I'll sign the bus up." And the guy literally was like, "Listen, if you're willing to give me your bus, I'm just going to sign on that line. I'm going to give you it because you will die before you don't pay me back." And so I really <laughs> learned early that. A lot of times that first investment is about the person. It's not even about the brand. It's about like, can you protect my money? Can you return on it? Do I believe in you and, and what you're trying to be about? And so when I took that mentality of like, it's about me, when I'm not signing up, I'm not selling the dream on my brand and the journey. It's more of like this guy knows or this girl knows or this, this group knows that I will do everything possible to make sure that they, when they bet on me, they win. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that was my, the first phase, but we have, listen, we've raised, you know, a few million dollars, but it was always for growth capital. And the early years were, you know, nobody wanted to fund you because you, you had very little value and, and there was a lot of risk. Um, I would say the first phase was they had to really believe in we were going to be the next, you know, next big brand that, that just came out of nowhere, you know, Supreme or, or whatever it yeah. was that we were just going to be that. And they had to believe that we were going to be the next big brand and, and we had some momentum. And then, you know, phase two became, um, that we were able to just show the growth, the analytics. And, and that, I would say that was kind of easy money. And, and, um, and, and I'll tell you, you know, my thing was always uh, don't take it to be comfortable. So one of the things, my strategy was I wanted to barely be able to live on salary. I wanted to be the first paycheck to cancel if we couldn't pay payroll. And that really went a lot, really far with, with um, whether it was athletes that wanted to invest or, or, you know, traditional money, whatever it was, because when they looked at it, yeah. they're like, this guy's living off of nothing. He's, his whole life is this, he's spending nothing. His whole, his whole, uh, you know, uh, payroll is underpaid, but over promised. I mean, we, we kind of had this mean team where it's not about today. We're not going to take the money dance today. We're going to put it all in here. We're going to believe in it. And that really made my personal, you know, raising, you know, uh, journey differently because it was, it was kind of easy once they, they went under the hood, but also I was learning as I was getting no's, I was learning what to chase. So I had, you know, how do I, you know, I remember one was like, oh, you don't have enough emails. You know, you, you guys, your econ business, you, you need more emails and you need more uh, time on the website, you know, or whatever. And we're like, all right, well, let's go sign people up. So when we signed like Ninja, the e-gamer went before yep. he was Ninja Ninja. Um, That's crazy. We knew we could drive traffic. And so we did our contest 
he drove like 300,000 email signups in one day. Oh now that was before gosh. he launched Red Bull and all these other stuff. But yeah. we took, instead of trying to sell underwear, I checked that box. All right, now I got, you know, millions of, of emails. And then, you know, I had a guy, you know, one time he was going to sign, um, he was signing up for, for a good investment. We had, we had a good run. We were getting to that next phase. And he sends me the article of Stance socks that they now are getting into underwear. And he goes, you're done. You'll be out of business in six months. These guys are taking over the world. They, well, look what they did with socks. And, and I remember, you know, I, it didn't even phase me. It was like, hey, man, you know, I, you know appreciate it. I disagree. And it kind of was one of those, like, I love those chip on your shoulders where it's like, I'm going to make sure that this guy reads the headline someday. And he kind of regrets that he, that he didn't get involved. And it wasn't like a negative towards him personally, but it was just kind of like, a, what do I need to chase now? And so what we, we then focused on was how do we make sure we build this brand so strong and, and, and our consumer is so loyal that Calvin Klein can't come down and play with us. Stance can't pivot and come play with us. And, and so we, when you look at our roster and you go, why do you have so many top athletes and celebrities and NASCAR drivers and influencers? And how did you become the number one brand on TikTok in the world? Well, it's because we safeguarded. So when next time I raise money, I don't have a guy trying to poke holes or a girl trying to poke holes saying, what happens if fashion changes? What happens if people stop wearing underwear? You know, we've heard it all. We kind of hit all those, all those, you know, uh, you know, those questions that, that why somebody won't give us the money or, or won't fund it or they don't believe in it or the why their financial advisor won't sign off on it. We just hit them head on. And so the end of my my journey where I'm at now, it makes it easier because, uh, you know, you kind of hit all those things on. But, you know, time is the key. And I think going back to education, that's why I say, like, you must have a great team and, and a great story because, because um, you know, 1.5, that's, that's an amazing. But it is the new world, too. I mean, you have a better way yeah, of improving it- your, your journey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was a, a game though, you know, like thirty seven angel investors, twenty five k checks, fifty k checks, rolling clothes. But we got it done, and it, it took time. But yeah, it it was definitely not an an easy feat. But now hearing that, it, it's so cool because just knowing how you guys, you know, you guys are filling the holes, right? Like you have a bucket, and let's say someone starts pouring some water in it, and and they're saying, oh, you don't have enough emails, and that's a little hole in the bucket, and you guys are just patching up the holes as you go, and that's you know a, a very uh it's a phenomenal accomplishment to be able to do that with such certainty and, and drive. And I want to talk about something you said, you said number one brand on TikTok. What sure. does this mean? And so, you know, everyone is, there's this TikTok craze the last couple of years I've been on since 2019, but just that's a huge statement. I'd love to hear what that means and really how you guys did that. Yeah. I mean, so, so to, to fact check this, try to find any brand that has more than 4.6 million. I think we have in a billion views of, of an actual brand. We are the number one brand. And one of the things that, you know, every now it's funny because when we became that, we made that statement and it was actually verified. We were, you know, we've been on this run, you know, for, for a couple of years now with the TikTok thing, but it was kind of, I was, everybody wants to know the secret sauce. How did you do that? How'd you get there? I mean, because I go back to the education and on the road, you know, we cut our teeth on Facebook. We were there in the trenches on Twitter we were there for Snapchat. We were there for Instagram. We were there for all the rules changing to now you can pay to play. You can buy check marks. You can, you can buy advertisement. So, so all of a sudden money came in there because we didn't have money again, or we didn't apply that money to, to, you know, the, the marketing side of it. You always had to just make sure your brand was better. And so as we were getting our brand better, our contacts are, you know, just, just continuing to take market share and be disruptive. You know, we, you know, my marketing director, you know, Rob came in and he goes, listen, there's a new platform coming and I think it's going to hit. Like, I think I really believe in this thing. And, and I also go back to, I always like to tell you the story is like, I was always the guy, I'm the first in last out. I'm going to bury anybody every day. Nobody's going to work harder than me. But I also recognize that like, as I grew up that I wasn't, I didn't, you know, when gaming started, our intern told us about Ninja. I didn't know about Ninja. He's like, man, this kid's wearing your underwear and he's the biggest thing in e-gaming. This is before e-gaming people believed in it. So wow. we were kind of always adapting and, and listening and keeping our ear to the ground through other people and, and, and just staying relevant. And so anyways, my, my marketing director, Rob, came in and he's like, listen, this is the platform. And, and here's, what, here's what I think. If you, if you want to support this thing, we can go hard. And one thing we learned is when we saw Instagram change the rules where you couldn't, if LeBron said, go follow PSD Underwear right now, you used to be able to gain millions of followers overnight. And and now that they changed the algorithm, you can't do that anymore. It doesn't matter for LeBron. It doesn't matter who yeah. says it. You, you, you're gonna, they're going to crank it down because they want your advertising dollars. And so we realized there was a lot of brands that got ahead of us on Instagram from doing that, paying to play, doing yep. it, said, whatever it was. And so come, it comes TikTok, we're like, there's no regulations. We can go viral overnight. We can 
we can, if Charlie D'Amelio's wears this thing tomorrow, we can have 20 million followers. Let's roll. And so I, I poured it on him. I put the support in. I'm like, let's go. But here's the, the program. Don't stop. Not one second of the day. Double shift seven days a week. Cash in on our relationships. Cash in on our everything we've learned. And, and we literally obsessed about it early to understand it, to how who the influencers were, how they were talking. And, and because we were a brand, though, that everyone loved, it wasn't like we were going out and paying. It was more of like you get out ahead of a couple people that are setting the trends, and then everybody was just buying it. They were just honored yeah. to be wearing PSD on and, and also a platform of dancing. And because yep. the pandemic had everybody at home, people were dancing in their underwear. So we weren't, it wasn't like we were a backpack company uh, dancing in backpacks. You know, it was like yeah. this is a relevant platform for our brand, the timing yep. and, and, and what it was doing. And so we hit, we hit it hard early on and got so far ahead of everybody. I'm talking three, four million people before underwear brands even signed on or apparel brands even yeah. signed on to TikTok. And, and, you know, by then, sometimes the winner is first. And um, and because people like our brand, you know, it, it just continues to snowballs. And so we don't pay for any content. We don't pay for anybody to wear it and dance on it. They give us the rights to it. And we, we've been on wow. a tear. But I contribute to all those years of all those other platforms. And then the same mentality of we are going to bury anybody that tries to get on this thing because we're going to outwork them and, and we have the team to do it. And so um, that's really the journey. And, and I always say fact check because things change every day. Obviously, anybody can go viral. I can tell you there's no brand uh, that is it is bigger and, and better than us uh, on TikTok. That is, that's so cool. I talk about striking when the iron's hot, right? I mean, you guys just took full advantage of this. Um, and, and that kind of leads me to, to asking you, you know, short form content, social media, building a brand, you know, you talk about you know, your customers loving the product and having that brand loyalty that, you know, all these different underwear, underwear brands can't even touch you, the stances, whatever it may be. To you, what does brand loyalty mean and how do you build that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, one, you know, the brand loyalty, uh, you know, from, from my eyes is, you know, somebody that feels like they're part of the brand, like they feel like they're part of the journey or your messaging. So they actually have a legit connection with your brand. You know, they wear it with, they're proud of it. And, and they like what you're doing and your messaging and who you're working with. And, and you know, so I, I, the, the brand, you know, the brand loyalty comes from when the consumer thinks you're authentic and, and they really believe in wh who you are and what you're doing. And there's kind of that brand personality. It's, it, it's not a, a cold product. It's a, it's a warm, it, they want you to send them emails reminding them of a new collection. They want to like your content and they share it, you know, so they, there's this really the, the brand loyalty. And, and I'd say most of the time now, in the new era, you can do it faster, but you, you know, there still is that time of, of getting someone on board and making them feel, you know, good about your brand and, and having that true following. So I think that that's really, yeah. you know, phase one, um, you know, of, of, of the brand loyalty side. I love that. I mean, it, it's so cool to hear that from you and just how you guys have done that over time with social since way back in 2007. Um, when it comes to managing work life, how have you done that over the years? Like you talk about this seven days a week, show up first, leave last. And that mentality that coming from a sports background, I played hockey for 10 years, lacrosse, played football. So I get it, right? Like coming from a sports background and having that mentality since I was four or five years old, but in the work environment with your team, with family, whatever it may be, how have you managed work as you're now raising kids and just living your life as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, listen, in, in the early years, and if again, I, I always go back to, um, you know, you start reading a lot of successful people's stories, and, and a lot of them have the, the same, you know, mentality. But, you know, it was, it really is, is that there should be nothing else going on in your life. I mean, I, I played golf, you know, up through high school, college and sports and, and, you know, basketball, baseball and all that stuff. And, and, but when it came to like, when you, when you start taking people's money, or you're on a journey to, to be successful, um, I didn't feel right playing, playing sports on some, when I, when I was either raising money or I had a, I was on, you know, I was trying to make something and the, and the failure rate was so high. I, I almost looked at it. Like I, I felt guilty doing anything other than business. So, so as far as like those first seven, eight, nine years, it was, it was 24 seven. It was nothing else. It was nothing personal. It was all about the business at all times. The more people believed in you, the more you had the responsibility to, 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 to live up to what they were believing into, the more money you took or the more distribution in the sell through. So I say like, 
you know, if, if somebody wants a day off, they need some peace of peace of mind and they got to go relieve some stress, you know, you're soft. It's looking at like, I'm, I'm, that's not me. You know, that's like, it's almost like that. Like, yeah. like I hope my competitor needs a day off. Like I go back to it. I say that all the time. I hope they want to go play golf. And, and again, I, I enjoy golf. Now I'll take a client out and play golf or I will, I will go with a buyer or a supplier and I will forward my business playing golf, but I'm going to go out and, and, and clear my mind. I don't need to clear my mind. I, I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going and I know I need every second of the day. So I would say phase one was just that obsessive mentality of we were so out of our league that we had to work every single second. And because we knew that, that, you know, there was money chopping at new brands and new stories every single day. And the world was pivoting so quickly that we just, we could not stop. There was a fear of stopping because, uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was so hard to win. And then I'll tell you, you know, the second phase of, of that work-life balance was, is my first base of my first, uh, employment and staff, I was the youngest guy. I mean, it's, it's probably like you too. I mean, you're the youngest guy. So you have, yeah. to, you have to earn your keep. So I was first totally. and last out. And, and I was continuing to, you know, I was hiring people that were out of my league, you know, the resumes that they were legends in the industry. And I just had to continue to prove my, my value, my worth as the fearless leader and, and whatever it is. And, and I, as I, as I get wins like that, it, it kind of brought us together as a team, you know, and so that, that kind of phase two was, you know, just continue to keep the bar. Of, of what we're trying to do together. And, and, and you, when you have an opportunity to actually be disruptive or, or create a movement, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the main priority. And I'll tell you the, the other one is, um, is I, you know, I would identify certain things and I'd look around and I'd read people's stories or I'd see a certain, you know, a job, a guy that built a company, sold it and then consulted. I'm like, is that me? Or, you know, built a company, uh, went through the ups and downs. They've owned it for, 25 years and they've had no money to money to no money again, pass it down to their kids. And you start to see, you can kind of, you pick out what, what's out there and how you want to see it. And if you're reading what's going on, you know, with your brand and what you enjoy. And so as my mentality changed, because um, as I mentioned, I've got five kids, you know, six years old and younger. And so I say like, I gave up my twenties to the business, not a second was wasted on anything else other than the business. And I, and that's, and that's what, that's why the brand's here. But you know, I, I got to the point where, when I had two kids, I was living in living in LA and in, in Santa Monica. And I remember I'd leave at six in the morning and I wouldn't come home till seven. And all of a sudden I started to get that dad get where I was either bringing him to the office in the warehouse and, and feeling bad, or I was leaving home feeling bad. And so I identified what the problem was. And I'm like, hey, I either need to build a badass staff that I can trust and work and manage so that I don't have to be the guy first in, last out, or I've got to be able to build it to sell it. Or I got, you know, there's, there's a couple paths. And so as I kind of mine came together and what it was, I, I realized that, you know, I, um, I could get a good team together and I could rely on them. And when the time was right and I wanted to eventually be to where I didn't need to be the first in last out, but I was the decision makers and I was, I was still in the weeds. I still know what was going on in my company and what was going on, but I empowered a team and I put together a badass team, which took years to do. Yeah. And so now I'm at the point where actually it's better for me not to be in every single meeting because if I'm in a meeting, people go from zero to me. If I'm not in the meeting, they go through the process of procedures, the management and the protocol and the, and the things we put together of the system to make sure that, that I wasn't the guy. And so, so I'll tell you, you know, for me, I, I work as hard on my family as I do my business, but it's, it's a different, it's a different part of the journey because I'm not on an Island with my family, letting my company run itself into the ground, which is, you know, sometimes when a business gets big and stable and you don't have money problems, you know, you get soft. I'm not soft in any way. I'm, I'm working my family as hard as I'm working my business, but I've got the balance to where I know that if I am at T-ball with my son, uh, then my, com my company is not losing any ground. And I I'll tell you, so there is that, yeah. that balance, but, but I'll tell you, if you want to be the best and some, I interviewed the other day with, a, you know, brand, you know, kind of was coming, you know, want to make a movement. And I said, if you want to be the best, here's my to the moon program. And that is meaning give up your friends, your family, everything you have, everything you do. And this is that, but if you're not that, and you're softer than that, then this is probably how long it's going to take and what you're going to, you have to raise more money. You're going to pay more people. You're going to get taken advantage over here. You're going to miss ship over here. You're going to be out of touch. But so this is the beast mode plan, which I'm on at all times <laughs> in my life. And then here's another way to get it. And, and there's no right or wrong way, but but there is a different a level. And I, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, so my level might be just different than everybody else's, but it's, it's not right or wrong, but that's just work for, for me. And, and a healthy balance is if you take money from someone or you're trying to get somewhere, you better obsess about it and do it until you're there. And, and then 
if you want that second chapter, you set yourself up for it in the first chapter. Absolutely. No, that, Ooh, you're giving me chills, man. This is, it's, it's so real and so raw and I, and I totally relate and, and I love how you are articulating this. So that's so badass. Um, couple more questions before we wrap up here, Kurt, you know, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. We're going through a very interesting economic time right now. I, I think that, you know, the, the idea of starting a business for some people has gotten scarier and scarier over the last couple of years. If you were to go back in time and give your younger self advice um, of starting a brand today in this environment, I mean, you guys started in 2007, so you guys have already been through these, these, these chapters. What, would you, what advice would you give to yourself and why? You know, I think I would, um, I would early on, you know, value the journey like I do now. I would early, early on, I would, I would probably, if you started today, if you came to me and said, Hey, let's start a brand new business, you know, zero funding, let's just, let's just go, let's do it. I would, I would do a hell of a whiteboard session and I would start with best case scenario and worst case scenario. And it's one of those things where, um, you start to look at your life and you're like, I always say pre-kids. So if you have no responsibilities and you're just early, early, early twenties, you have a great idea, you're energized, you're, 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 you want to take on the world. Cause that naive, uh, not being out there yet is, is part of the, 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 the blessing, you know, that you don't know what it, what it's like at the top. So, so you got to kind of go through the, the steps, you know, I would say understanding, you know, what, what's phase one, what is getting on base? What is, what is uh second base and third base? And, you know, what is, what does it look like? And, and know that there's going to be, you got to go through the failures to know, but, but if you, if you're writing the plan with, with knowing best case and understanding worst case, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. And if you're, and again, if you, if you're just working harder and, and even if it's studying, it doesn't have to be like working hard just to put in seven to seven or seven to 10. It's not about just hours. I'm talking about like, like actually like studying or, or understanding whether it's listening to a podcast or, or, or reading a story or going in comp shopping in a mall, whatever, whatever I'm just saying in fashion, whatever it is, you know, as yeah. long as you're bettering yourself and your positioning and you're learning along the way, I mean, it's, it's, and, and if worst case, like I always said, the worst case is going to work at the post office, man, if I had to, if I had to actually, I used to say McDonald's because I worked at McDonald's, you know, and I remember looking at it and going, man, this place is well oiled machine here. How do they get all these people, you know, but I am working way too hard for way little money. So if I looked at it and said, you know, if my bills were X, but I'm willing to go back to McDonald's if I have to pay those bills in order to continue to, to front, you know, what I need to do on my, my sex, second chapter or wherever I'm going. So I, I think there's, there needs to be like that, like there should be no level of work that you won't do to kind of get to that next phase. And then if you break it out into phases and understand that certain phases take certain time to get there and you start, you just start somewhere. And as long as you're starting somewhere, the next phase comes in and whether it was good or bad, you learn, you adjust and you go again. And, and I always say, as long as you're, you're, you're not, you know, you're honest and you're not hurting anybody else or you don't, you're not starving your kids or, or whatever it is, you know, you can, you can make different, you know, adjustments, but man, I'll tell you the good old fashioned hard work though, is, is what it takes new era, old era, current times. I mean, like I said, right now where the world is, is kind of similar to where it was in 2007. And instead of looking at like a curse, I mean, I heard somebody the other day say, well, you know, COVID we grew and with all the economy, we're down like everybody else. And I was like, whoa, 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 don't say everybody else. I'm not down, I'm, I'm striking, man. I'm eating everybody's lunch right now. And, and you watch what I do Q1 and Q2. And so I kind of look at it like the mentality of, you know, that killer instinct, but you know, the, the, you know, man, work hard and strategize, but just get on base sometimes understand that it's going to take some time. And, and if it doesn't take time, great. Cause there is certain people that, that don't, but you know, even looking at you with, with going back to you raising 1.5, that's not your last. I mean, your, your next round is going to be way bigger than 1.5. That's just the starting point. I mean, we talk in a couple of years, I guarantee it's way more than 1.5 <laughs> and where you're going. And so no matter where you start, you just got to start and, and, and you're going to learn and, yeah. and um, you know, and you got to enjoy that journey because the, the screw ups and the mistakes are, are kind of what makes you so dangerous, you know, as your career goes on. Absolutely. Uh, last question before we wrap up here, Kurt, you know, there's a lot of content out there, you know, whether that's books, podcasts, movies, I, I want to get a content recommendation from you. Where do you spend your time consuming, whether that's books, podcasts, movies, just leave us with something that you've found, maybe some inspiration in that you'd want to recommend to the listeners today. 
I'm, I'm actually, it's funny. This is probably going to be something you know, brand that you've heard. So I'm not a big book reader. Uh, I'm not a big podcast. Not that I don't enjoy it. I don't sit in LA traffic as much. So I don't do the, the audible, <laughs> but, but I'll yep. tell you for me, I'm a reverse engineering kind of guy. So I look at it and go, if, if I want to learn, I go into the, I'll go into a store and go, what's echo story. I'm gonna go backwards on that. Here they are at Macy's. When did they get to Macy's? How did they get to Macy's? Was it the original founders? Was it the design team? Was it the athletes or the celebrities? Was it the movement? I'll go into Target or, or, or to, you know, Hibbits or Foot Locker Champs and I'll, ba- I'll reverse engineer stuff. And even with talent, mm. I'll go, man, I see uh, Serena Williams with, with uh, Mission Towels. How did Mission Towels get this? Sir? How, did you, how did a towel company get this? And I reverse engineer it. So I'm, I study differently because so I'm a reverse. I see the destination or the, the finish line for things. And I just go backwards. They meet in high school. Where did they get their funding? Was it from a fraternity? Was it from a, a friend, a family member? Did, was it a, uh, you know, because there's a different journeys. And I try, to, yeah. I try to study the journeys of people that have already been there to know when I have to pivot. Because I'll tell you, pivoting is half of the, half of the key. So I would say that that's my kind of secret sauce of, of how, how, I, how I read or how I study is, is reverse yeah. engineering someone that's already made it. I love that. Well, Kurt, I just want to say this has been such a pleasure. I've not only learned so much, but I've truly enjoyed this conversation. And for everyone that's listening, where is the best place that they can check out PSD, learn more about the brand, follow you, and just get familiar with the community if they aren't, if they aren't already? Yeah, I mean, so we're, hey, 50% of our business is online, so psdunderwear.com. And then, uh, man, we've got some amazing retail partners, you know, Champs, Hibbets, uh, Snipes. You know, we've got some good ones, Tilly's, PacSun, Zoomies. You know, we... We got them all, but we've got a really good partnership. So, uh, you know, I say anywhere in the mall that's got good retail, you, you know, you can find yep. us. And, and, you know, hey, Casey, I'll leave you with this. Uh, you got to take pictures along the way. Take a picture of what you look like today, who you're hanging out with, because I'll tell you, you'll appreciate that from 17 to 22, from 22 to 27. You know, we've got some funny pictures along the way and what we were doing at that time and how we were thinking. So, you know, definitely enjoy the journey. I, I love that. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank you. Look forward. Good luck with everything. Thank you.